Welcome to SNAP, survivors of narcissistic and abusive personalities. This educational recovery podcast is presented by Claremont Mental Health and Mandy Friedman, licensed professional clinical counsellor. This presentation contains vital information for survivors of abuse. Topics include the spectrum of abusive personalities, targets of abuse, abusive relationships, and survivors in recovery. We hope this information helps you gain solid footing and clarity as you navigate your road to recovery. Good morning, survivors of narcissistic and abusive personalities. Today's Wednesday, so that means I'm back talking about our SNAP topics. Anything related to survivors of abuse, narcissistic abuse, cluster B personality disorders, recovery from abuse, trauma, all of it. That's what we talk about every week. And today we're going to talk about spiritual abuse. Spiritual abuse is something that a lot of us don't even realize is going on when it's happening, but let me just go ahead and define it for you. It's a it's a broad category here, okay? So we're talking about a lot of different things and a lot of different contexts. Um, so those contexts might be um, within a congregation or a, a following, a fellowship, a group, right? Um, it can happen within a church, a religious setting, um, in a group dynamic, It can come at the hands of the group members towards the group leader, which is one of the more rare forms of spiritual abuse. Um, But more than likely, they're leaders of a congregation or of a group or of a following uh, that create a toxic or abusive dynamic and culture within that group. But spiritual abuse can also happen in intimate partner relationships and within families. So we're talking about the grand scale, right? So this could be um, something uh, to the size of cults, you know, Um, that's sort of a no brainer. That's obviously a form of spiritual abuse, right? When you have someone who's brainwashing others into a belief system um, and then holding them Uh, mentally captive through coercive control tactics and brainwashing tactics. So, I mean, that's on the grand scale of spiritual abuse having to do with cults or really large groups like that. Um, It can also happen um, in a religious school or a private school where you have teachers and administrators who have power and control over students, not only in a school setting, but also with that added bonus of context of religion. Um, they're also, it's also present within extremist groups. These are people that hold very far um, from center opinions about other groups of people, um, or about the world and their very extreme views. Um, Those groups like terrorist groups or any kind of extremist groups will often use some sort of spiritual abuse um, to uh, obtain new assets and and keep them um, by way of basically setting it up that you know, if we're going to boil it down to the simplicity of what goes on, it's, it's basically if you, if you don't want to burn in hell, um, 
you're going to not do this or you're going to do this, right? So the, the, the fate of your soul is hanging in the balance based on whatever uh, an abusive personality has deemed to be, you know, a, a worthy tool that they can use then at that point. So, um, so basically what happens is you have faith leaders, um, spiritual leaders, or religious family members. So it could be a father who's a minister and is religious or a mother who is uh, religious or spiritual in some way, shape or form. Um, and they create a toxic culture within that context um, by shaming and controlling others or targets or members using the power of the position that they hold, using their knowledge of doctrine, um, you know, spouting, um, uh, quotes from other spiritual leaders or from the Bible that they weaponize these things and then use that to support whatever it is that tr they're trying to achieve um, through coercive control or brainwashing. Um, spiritual abuse is also used to control female sexuality. Um, for example, you know, young young ladies who are developing into adolescence within religious or extremist settings are made to feel like that their bodies are shameful or that, you know, getting your period for the first time is, um, you know, now you're up for grabs for men. Um, you know, if it's that type of a religion where um, there's like an arranged marriage, you know, at a young age, um, or uh, those sorts of things. And, you know, women, if they lose their virginity, that that's very shameful. If they're sexually assaulted, that's very shameful. Um, the other thing is uh, that is used against women in spiritual and religious settings um, is the idea that the man is supposed to be the head of the household and the man is supposed to be like the spiritual pillar. And so therefore, if you disagree with your husband, then you're also sinning against God. Uh, yeah, so that's a crock of shit. <laughs> um, but, you know, when you're hearing those sorts of messages that have to do with keeping people in their place um, and, and making them feel that being a human being is somehow um, dirty or bad or shameful. So just by being a person and having human experiences like starting your period or having sex or being gay or marrying someone outside of your, um, you know, religious or racial, um, you know, status, that that's somehow this horrible thing that is going to damn your soul to hell. Um, so. You know, then there are people who actually believe these things and they think that they're doing good, right? But usually if you dig, you find that that person is also being controlled by um, some sort of a spiritual or religious doctrine um, that they look to and look up to um, and believe in. So you'll have mothers who think that they're doing best by their children by scaring them and shaming them using um, religion or spirituality as some sort of um, tool to frighten them or scare them into straightening up or, um, you know, behaving how they want them to behave. They use God, they use spirituality, they use um, those sorts of ideals to make a child feel like that 
just being them isn't worthy. You know, that being human and being flawed means that um, you're innately broken and you're dirty. Um, gosh, that's not a great way to start off life, is it? To think that about yourself. Um, it's kind of bad. So there's shaming and controlling a female sexuality. There's using religion to or spirituality to guilt, control, and shame others. Um, you know, a, a situation might be something like uh, a certain, you know, maybe slightly extreme or some sort of a sect of a religion um, that the family belongs to. Uh, that you have to sort of earn your way into these different levels. And if your children are a part of that, and then you as the mom or the wife or the husband or father decide that you don't want to be a part of that church anymore, then you're not allowed to go there. Which means if your kids are still going there, um, you can't go to see them do the things that the milestones, like getting married, if they get married in that church, then you know, you're not you're not allowed to go see your your kid get married because you decided you don't want to go to that church anymore. Um, so that doesn't sound right, does it? Um, so then we also have um, where this is used in abusive relationships, where you know an abuser will have these sort of spiritual awakenings and epiphanies, and you know, to the partner it seems like wow, they're really deep, you know, and look, they're having this sort of um, existential crisis or, you know, it's like it's meaningful. And so we will, um, will be a lot more malleable when the abuser is also now toting some sort of spiritual or religious offering that, you know, we're thinking, oh, well, that's a good thing, right? Well, sometimes not so much. Um, because then the person just weaponizes all of that information, all of those views and perspectives, just weaponizes it and uses it as a tool um, to further their own agenda. Uh, let's see, what else do I have here? You know, and it doesn't have to be like strict type religious stuff. It could be, you know, your regular like hippie yoga type spiritual leaders as well, gurus, um, people who... Um, they're very magnetic a lot of time. They have charisma. Um, and I don't know, you, you're attracted to them and what they have to say. And in the beginning, you feel like that this is someone you can respect and look up to. Um, and then it sort of changes where you do something that goes against whatever their message is. So say, for example, they're vegan and you decided, you know what, I don't want to be vegan anymore. Well, then you're a bad person now, you know. So if, if that's the kind of thing that's going on where you just can't be you and you can't make changes to your, you know, beliefs or to your opinions on things, you can't um, decide that you no longer want to be a part of something because if you do, then that makes you a bad person or it makes you um, not a good partner, not a good mother, um, or not a good um, member of society even, uh, you know, we have to question and wonder about those things, right? When we're getting those kinds of messages that just being you means that you're going to go to hell or you're, you're, you're not a, you're not a good person or you're not a good um, partner. You're not a good mom. You're not a good, uh, 
no, you're going to go to hell, all that kind of stuff. You know, people come into therapy a lot of times with those sorts of ideas, sitting down fresh in therapy, and they're really anxious and depressed because they feel like they're this horrible person. And then they tell me these horrible, supposedly horrible things, and they're not horrible. And it's actually a really great person and a great parent. Um, but the messages that they've heard um, throughout their lives from a church or from a coach or from a parent or from a teacher or from an intimate partner has stuck. And they themselves have begun to believe those messages, which is you are less than, you are broken, uh, you are flawed, you are dumb, you're ugly, you're undesirable, you're dirty, you're shameful, um, you're stupid. Those messages, when someone you respect, okay, here comes the abuse part. So we're talking about spiritual abuse. You look up to a spiritual leader. You look up to a teacher. You look up to, to someone who... Um, seems to be the holder and keeper of knowledge or the person who is the leader and, and, you know, shepherding the flock, so to speak. And if that person looks at you and says, um, you need to sit, take a serious look in the mirror because I'm not sure about the safety of your soul with these decisions that you've been making. You know, I'm disappointed in you. That's a big one. I'm really disappointed in you. Whoa. I mean... In, a lot, in some cases, that's trauma right then and there to have someone who is a spiritual leader say something to you like that can really change how you view yourself and the world around you. It can it can really stick with you for a long time. So uh, let me just look and make sure I've covered everything. Yeah, so spiritual abuse happens on a large scale, but it also happens on a micro scale between two people in an intimate partner relationship or say a parental or familial relationship. But the main message I want you to hear is that it's basically taking religion, spirituality, God, um, any context um, or any topic related to those things. And it's an abuser or abusive people taking that twisting it into a weapon and then using it to harm, control, shame, coerce, um, exploit, um, and frighten uh, the targets, whether the target be a child or a spouse or a team or a congregation. Um, and, you know, I know a lot of people who have experienced this a lot. And like I said, for some, it still has lasting effects. So spiritual abuse is something that happens all around us all the time. And we need language. We need, um, we need the words to put to these experiences because a lot of times we don't really know, like, did that just really happen? And what even was that? And you just feel awful and icky, like you don't understand, you're confused. Well, now you know, it's called spiritual abuse. And it happens all the time, you know, and it happens from people and at the hands of people who seem like they're really nice, really good people. And lots of people love them and look up to them and respect them. Um, so you can feel very small and very alone um, when this is happening. And you also feel like you might be damned to hell. That's lovely. Uh, okay, so January 13th is the beginning of our next SNAP series. Uh, the first class is called SNAP Class 1. 
um, abusive personalities. So we're just going to be talking about abusers, why they abuse, how they got that way, who are they, um, what types of tactics do they use. Um, by the time the class is over, you're going to be an expert on abusive personalities and you'll definitely be able to spot them. Um, so click on the link in the notes to this video and sign up for the class if you're interested. And I hope you have a great day. Bye-bye. If you like this podcast, subscribe and leave us a review. Find Mandy Friedman, LPCC, CCDVC on YouTube and Facebook. Join the SNAP Survivors of Narcissistic and Abusive Personalities Facebook group and follow us on Instagram at the official SNAP. Thanks for listening.